When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time to take a ride on the Steelers Afternoon Drive with our co-hosts, Alan Saunders and Zachary Smith. Welcome to another episode of Steelers Afternoon Drive. I'm Zachary Smith. That is Alan Saunders. Alan, what's going on? J.J. Watt is channeling his inner yinzer on social media. Wants the Steelers to go back to the block uniforms full time. He yep. uh, he wants them to paint the end zones yellow. I believe I also heard him say that he wants them to use the fullback more. Uh, get really <laughs> batch some snaps. Ben should be the offensive coordinator. Uh, Tomlin mm-hmm. won with Powers players, and uh, yeah, you know, I I really appreciate him embracing the culture in that way. It's good. And he typed all of that while eating an Isley's chip chopped ham sandwich and drinking a Turner's tea, I bet. Just crushing up. No, apparently Sarah's candy is his Sarah's yeah. real weakness. That honestly feels like that's what that was the trickle effect. Like that was the first domino. It seemed that like. was th- that was his gateway drug into Yinzerdom was Sarah's candies. Yeah, and it's really spiraled to the yeah. point where yeah. I, I think I saw you post like we're just waiting for him to call into a local radio station at this point. And, yeah, uh, yeah, TJ from Houston. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> he's we're we're gonna have a, a a Steelers afternoon drive vehicle that is gonna be JJ Watts black and gold Yinzer mobile. Yeah. We, mm-hmm. Speaking of which, feels- we've not had enough of those. This I've been. I saw one from long distance driving the other day. Uh, I could mm-hmm. not not close on it. We need your cars, people. We need your steel. Yeah, I feel like we've kind of started we've, like we've slacking on that too. Yeah. Yes, yes, we need them. Yeah, need them. so it's not just on the listeners slash viewers of this show. We haven't really talked about it recently, but we absolutely. Still want to see those, um, and all the fans want to see, like J.J. Watt, the block numbers come back, whether it's full-time or at least once a season, like we are going to see them on Sunday against the Packers. Um, when they put out I'm yesterday... Gonna be, I'm going to have a controversial take here. So okay. I'm going to jump. I love the block numbers. It's the uniforms I grew up watching, I think they're beautiful. I kind of like... I, I like them being special. Like, I like that they only come around once a year. Like, I think it's cool. Yeah. I, so, I understand the desire to wear them all the time. Um, I don't know. I've always liked having – I think having a special uniform is nice. I think tying it in with alumni weekend, playing some, like, classic opponents, like they played the Raiders last year, they playing the mm-hmm. Packers this year. I just think it's it's nice. Yeah, and I think there's certainly teams around the league that have those types of alternates where it's like these are – like these are probably their best uniforms probably but still should just be – yeah, but it still should just be a once at a time thing. My thing is, I want to see the white block numbers. Yes, as I well. Agree with so, you. like, I agree with that. Yeah. how do you how do you bring those back without having the block number be the full time? Like, could the white be the alternate or something? Like, 
I mean, I they could they would just have to wear them at home, but it would they yeah. would still be able to like you could wear white at home. Like they would just mm-hmm. they couldn't wear them as a road team. I don't think I don't know. I forget how the rule works now. Maybe they could. Maybe they could wear it as a road team. I don't think they would want to. I think it, it's you know it's probably well the I, so I don't know how it works in terms of like. As because the Browns wore those different uniforms against yeah, us on did. Monday night, that's right. they so wore, they Pittsburgh. So, I mean, of course, the Browns are—they are white uniforms. So they, yeah. So once the Steelers decide to wear black, the Browns could wear whatever color they want. I don't know. It's it's interesting. I don't know. But anyway, sure um, like a team like the Raiders or the Cowboys that was doing something like the Dolphins, some team that's been around since the seventies has some history with the Steelers and was having some kind of alumni or old school thing. And the Steelers were there and the Steelers wanted to wear white uniforms with block numbers. They're sure as heck not going to say no. Right. I guess my question now is do the, do the Packers wear some type of white alternate or do they just show up in their normal way? Packers just show up in their exactly the same uniform they've been wearing since Curly Lambeau uniforms, which are great. Yeah. Because I think they're aren't they their color rush are all white though, right? Aren't the Packers? No, good? their color rush have yellow numbers. Oh, okay. Hmm. They're what very similar to the Steelers, I think, in that their color rush are yellow helmets, all green with yellow numbers. Is that right? I think. Hmm. Okay. They may have an all white version, like white pants version of. Their yeah, that's version. what I'm picturing. Is like all. Oh an all-white uniform, and I don't know what they consider those. But I think it's just white but... pants with their regular... Okay. I don't know what to call okay. that. But that's just all-white. White pants with their regular uniform is something I think they wear, too. But they definitely had a yellow helmet without the logo, green and gold. Um, yeah. No, uh, I, I... Yeah. I know what you're talking about, and I believe that is. Wow. Okay. Um, When the Steelers put out yesterday at 3 p.m. that there was going to be an announcement today, is this kind of what you expect? I mean, because... I, I don't know what okay yeah i went back and historically was looking at the last couple of years when they've worn an alternate jersey they've done it on the tuesday before the game i just i don't i don't remember in the past years like teasing it the day before that they were going to announce it but no. just drawing up interest i guess yeah um okay but it's funny not it's- only what people thought the announcement might be like they were gonna tease some kind of serious announcement like Uh you knew Uh it was gonna be nothing well yeah like personnel related or anything like that but i saw people speculating on like the 2026 draft far too early for that to happen um a game in ireland that typically wouldn't have like none of these things typically happen this point in the calendar serious because it's all like all that stuff needs to be voted on you know you got the league announces most of that stuff you knew it had to be something with the Steelers, and it was either going to be something like uniforms or something like, you know, something game day related that that they have control over. That they were, you know, whatever, whatever it was going to be, you know, um, that that always going to be something like that. And it's alumni weekend, so like this makes sense for them to break them out yeah, uh, like for this game. I, as well, so. I like it. I think it. I think it works. Um, not opposed to them as full time uniforms, but I, I like that they're special. I, I like that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Not only was it a Tuesday where we get this information, but it was also a Tomlin Tuesday. uh, And we got a lot of information from Tomlin Tuesday. All the informations. Moss information. 
Yeah. So I don't even know where we want to start with. I guess we can maybe give a little bit of an injury update here. Minka Fitzpatrick, who was not placed on IR, could potentially start working his way back later in the week. Alan, do you think that the door is open for him to play Sunday or should we close it for this week, you think, and just say he's probably going to be able to return uh, when we go to the trip to Ohio? My gut feeling is that he will practice some this week He and he will be questionable for the game. And we'll see. Probably leaning yeah. towards like a game time decision kind of thing. Sounds like Montrevious Adams is going to practice and will be able to play. Um, I would think probably, probably play unless he has some kind of setback. Uh, still got another week for Pat Farmuth to come back. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of it. The injuries are they brought Ant McFarlane back yesterday. That was the deadline to do so. And so they're, they're on it. They're, that, I mean, as healthy as you're going to be this time of year, it sucks to be it without Cole Holcomb. For the rest yeah. of the year, we can talk about that some, but uh, Minka on his way back, Mona Adams on his way back, would leave just really two guys uh, after this week, and so that's that's pretty solid. Uh, are we past the the ribs injury for Kenny Pickett then, you know, having the extra time since, yeah. Yeah, I would say yes. Okay, well, that's good news as well then. Um, also something that we saw in the Thursday night game, we'll see if it continues to carry over and the depth chart now reflects Broderick Jones being a starter at right tackle. Now this is listed as Broderick Jones or shoot to core for, um, how, how do you feel like this situation is actually going to play out there? Like you expect to see Broderick taking the first team reps in practice this week leading up to Sunday. Yes. I expect to see Broderick Jones taking the first team reps in practice. I expect him to start. He will start. The question will be whether he continues to start. Um, you know, I, I think that's probably more up in the air. Um, and, and whether he continues to start at right tackle is probably, uh, up in the air Mm -hmm. as well. You know, basically the way this comes down to is, man, I'd really love to know what Chooks Okorafor did or said during that Jacksonville game, but apparently (laughs) it was, uh, it was not good. Uh, he, so he gets benched. And, you know, looking at the options, Mike Tomlin said, look, the younger guy makes more sense to move Broderick Jones than it does have two players playing out of position. He also said he feels like Dan Moore is significantly better at left tackle than right tackle, not necessarily the case with Jones. And so with Chooks benched, it's more at left tackle and Jones at right tackle. I believe that's the way they're going to play or at least start this game. But I didn't get the sense from Mike Tomlin that any of that was set in stone. That, you know, when he came out and said Joey Porter Jr. had earned a starting job and he was going to continue to start, he was pretty definitive about it. He was not as definitive about this. This is more like, we're going to give him another shot and see how it goes. And, you know, with the knowledge that Chooks could be back, also with the knowledge that, you know, he could go replace the other tackle. You you know, it's not like Dan Moore has been without reproach. Uh, in his play either and so I think we're still going to have some moving parts here but I expect them to line up this week against the Packers the same way they did last week against the Titans at least to start and it's almost at least for me I feel like a little bit of an audition for these two with Moore and Jones in terms of what they would like the tackle duo to be in 2024 because of the cap hit that shoots presents and being able to move on from that cost if this tackle duo gives you good play you know, on those bookend spots. So I don't know what your take is on that, but I just feel like from a cost perspective as well, if they can have Dan Moore be the left tackle and Roger Jones be the right tackle in 2024, that's the best way to go about business. 
I mean, I, I can't see them bringing Chooks back at that price. Like, it's not right. happening. He will be released, and maybe he comes back at a lesser price, or maybe he doesn't come back. I don't know. But he's not going to come back for that cap hit. Um, then it just becomes a matter of, do they think Dan Moore is good enough to go into the season with him as the top option at left tackle? Or do they spend another offseason trying to find an upgrade at left tackle? Or do they try to flip them in the offseason and see if with an entire offseason's worth of work, more can become a serviceable right tackle? I don't know. There's a lot of moving parts there. I kind of feel like they're probably thinking that long-term, neither of these guys are the answer and that they need another tackle yeah. in addition to Broderick mm-hmm. Jones to really solidify the long-term uh, play of that offensive line. But we'll see. We'll see how things go. Um, you know, And there's a lot of other moving parts there as well, but you know, when you look at the contracts, the interior is a little bit more solidified, I think, in terms of I feel pretty good about those top three guys on the inside coming back next year. Obviously, I don't think Chooks is. So this is a look maybe at what the 2024 offensive line might look like, and then we'll see if it stays that way. Yeah, I think long term you – would like Broderick to slide over to the left spot. But again, like a a name that I brought up for comparison, just in terms of starting out on the right and then moving to the left, Tristan Wirfs, you know, also drafted in about the same spot that Broderick Jones was played his first couple seasons on the right side. Cause you got a guy in Donovan Smith and he's not a guy that's like, you know, obviously he spent a good amount of time. He's still in the league. But that's not, you know, like a great player at the position. Like they could have made the move and switched Tristan Wirfs over there and upgraded on right tackle, but they didn't until Donovan Smith moved on in free agency. So I don't know. I, I kind of look at that situation as the way that it maybe plays out if Dan Moore can hold him off, but we'll see. But ideally, yeah, long term, I think Broderick is the left tackle. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, it, I don't think it matters that much either. Like if you look at Cleveland, you know, great offensive line, like, Jack Conklin was has been their better tackle for years, and and he's mm-hmm. played the right side. Like it doesn't, I, yeah. I don't think it's as big of a deal if you have two really good tackles. The difference is like if you only have one good one, you probably want him playing on the left side. Well, look at uh, the Saints. Right after Armstead moved on to Miami, they still had Ryan Ramchek on the right side, but they you know spent the first round pick on Penning, who hasn't worked out, and they've tried James Hurst over there. So yeah, they're good tackles only on the right side. Yeah, it's, that's the thing you kind of don't want to end up with. Any other right. way, I think it. I think it works. Mm-hmm. Yep. I just you mentioned how you know only having one good tackle to be on the right side. I figured I'd bring up a scenario that we're seeing the NFL right now with that. But yeah, um, I think we're on the same page in terms of long term. Also, he touched on the George Pickens stuff. Uh, we got another what was it a, a pebble in his shoe? This whole ordeal with George Pickens, which again I really like, I'm probably gonna start using that uh, in my daily life in terms of inconveniences. It's a pebble in my shoe, um, but I, he seemed kind of at least you know I'm not like a huge body language person, but hearing the infliction in his voice too, he seemed pretty put off even having to discuss this. Yeah, I think you know I think he was very open with the fact that he is glad that George Pickens is frustrated that he's not being a productive sure. member of the offense and mm-hmm. that it doesn't bother him that his wide receiver is frustrated and that George has expressed those frustrations to him. And he's very okay with that. And I don't think he gives a crap about what people do on social media. And so unless George Pickens does something that becomes a problem for the team, I don't think Mike Tomlin thinks this is a negative. And I don't think he's wrong to think that, you know, he wants people that are frustrated when they don't help the team win. And, 
you know, I, I don't get the sense from George's teammates that they think this is a problem. So if the teammates don't think it's a problem and the coach doesn't think it's a problem, then I don't know. What are we doing? Like I, I the Instagram like I like Mike Tomlin ripped the media pretty hard. Yeah. Harder than it usually does. Um and I can't really say that we don't deserve it. Like like what like I don't know. It's just uh the Instagram sleuthing, I feel like, is uh, what are we really gaining from that? I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. It's not. If this is a story, it will reveal itself to be, but I really don't think it is. And then, you know, the thing that sucks is a lot of this stuff comes from people that are not in the locker room. And George is full transparency here, not really a willing participant in the process in terms of being accessible for interviews and things like that generally does not want to talk to the media. Um, it makes the whole relationship even more toxic because then you, know, you have people saying stuff about him that aren't the people in the locker room. And then when I want to go talk to him, it's going to be like, Oh, well you're, you're part of them, you know? And yeah. uh, it's like, we, we deserved that. It, like Mike Tomlin was justifiably rude in his press conference today. And I feel like what you're saying about not being in the locker room, it's kind of an extension of that conversation that we had about, you know, the aggregators and stuff like that and how, you know, the word to mouth stuff is so important because, you know, things you to put out there, fake quotes you to put out there and a lot of things like that. And in George's perspective, like you're saying, you know, it could leave a bad taste in his mouth when things yeah. like this get said. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And George is like I said, like, look, the whole conversation is about like a lack of emotional maturity, right? That's the whole conversation. And I think it's fine to sit here and say that George should show more emotional restraint like mm -hmm. I, I, I in fact i believe that like george should show more emotional restraint um mm -hmm. but, but at the same time of like that's what we're talking about um we're probably not going to get that from him in our dealings with him either like i mean you know, he's, if he's if he's irrationally actually he's rationally frustrated i don't think his frustration is irrational but if he's expressing his frustration in an emotional and public manner like you know, people saying things about him that aren't necessarily true or aren't necessarily well informed isn't going to go over well either. Like, clearly, sure, yeah, absolutely. Um, the other thing that Tomlin didn't seem to love was having to answer about uh, Kenny Pickett because it was kind of asked in a way that they were specifically asking about quarters one through three, and he's like, "Well, what about quarter four, where you know he does show up and he is, you know, amongst the top quarterbacks in the league." Um, you know, how did you feel about his answer there? And I mean, this is kind of, I guess, an extension of the conversation we've had for a long time, including yesterday, in terms of what Kenny's able to do in the fourth as opposed to quarters one through three. Yeah, I think it's mostly just he's sick of answering that question. And sure. yeah. it's come up a lot. And yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I thought that was a fair question. I, I didn't think it was uh, posed in a way that, that needed that kind of response, but I also understand that Tomlin is probably frustrated by answering it many, many times. So, you know, you get what you get sometimes. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we've had the conversation too. It's like, until you see something change, the questions yeah, like, aren't going to. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Either, either things will change or the questions will change, but not, you know, like that, that's, that's really what it's, what it's down to. They've got to be better earlier in the game. Uh, they they scored the first drive. Things were looking good. Then I don't know, all kinds of falls apart. And and it wasn't, you know, it was mostly on Kenny. I think it was a lot of here there. And but they ran the ball better. 
that's a strong sign. There's yeah. always, the, yeah. you know, there's there's lots of reasons to think that they're getting closer. Um, but I don't necessarily think that uh, they have some kind of, I still don't know why. And I've yet to hear anyone even offer a reasonable explanation as to why the fourth quarter Kenny phenomenon has played out the way it has. It, it doesn't make any sense. And things that don't make sense are going to continue to get asked about. Mm-hmm. It, well, one change we did see made on Thursday, and it sounds like we're going to continue to see going forward, is Matt Cannon on the sidelines. The offensive coordinator who came down from the booth was out there on the sidelines Thursday night. Sounds like that will be the case going forward. Um, what, if anything, did you think was a difference there? I mean, I saw you have a conversation on X where it's like, yeah, there could be a lot of positives here, you know, being able to talk between drives and stuff like that, communicate better. You're obviously losing some of the communication pre-snap. Maybe that's why Glenn Thomas is up in the booth having that role. So, you know, what are the give and takes here with Matt Canada being on the sidelines? Yeah, I think it's mostly for the rest of the offense, not for Kenny. I think, mm-hmm. you know, he has a lot of communication with Kenny in the helmet. Everybody else has to hear things from him secondhand. I think it makes, I think it helps in that regard. Um, you know, I, to me, I personally think it's like kind of an indictment of the the offensive coaching staff beneath Canada. Like that's supposed to be their job is to take the messages from the coordinator and get it to the players. And clearly, somebody, and I think, like, I, I'm not going to say this is a fact because I can't. But I'm going to say this is very well-informed speculation. It sure seems like this was Mike Tomlin's idea. Okay? Canada has made it clear that he prefers to be in the booth. Yeah. Kenny Pickett mm-hmm. said it wasn't his idea. There are only so many other people whose idea it could have been. Um, I'm pretty sure it was Mike's. Okay? So if Mike Tomlin sees the need to take Canada out of the booth and put him on the sideline for better communication – well, that tells me there was a, there were problems with the communication with that offensive coaching staff. And if it gets better with Canada on the sideline, then that really, to me, says, oh, there are real problems. Like, if you needed the coordinator to be here to say it to people's faces, somewhere you're not communicating properly. And I, I think that's um, – and, and, look, maybe it's two ways. You know, I don't know. But I, I think that's that's the thing I take away from it the most. The other thing I take away from it is he didn't wear his hat. And now I don't know like how that affects him. Like, cause I've never seen him outdoors without his hat. Like it's, it's jarring to see him that way. Yeah. I think he needs the hat. Like hmm. looking like bum Phillips over there on the sideline. Like, I just think, I think we need it. I think we need to see it. Um your well-informed opinion kind of coincides with my well-informed opinion based off something that I heard that this was a conversation that they started having during the bye week. So I almost thought this was going to happen during Rams week. That didn't happen. Took another couple of weeks for it to actually happen, but I had started to hear some rumblings that we were going to see it post by. So it took a couple of weeks after that, but here we are. Yeah. And then Mike goes on and says like, Oh yeah, there's lots of things we try. You probably just don't notice most of them because it doesn't involve like, moving a coach from point A to point B. And then someone asks, well, what are those things? And he's like, yeah, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make you think about that now, though, what those could be. Which is great. Yeah. Um, was there anything else from Tomlin? I wanted to, to ask you a question that popped in my mind. I think Nick and I talked about it a little bit on Friday. But was there anything else from Tomlin before we... Joey Porter Jr. might not necessarily be following every number one wide receiver around the field every week. 
Uh, it just so happened that the things that he needed to do by following Hopkins also kind of minimized the things that might be tough for him. Basically, Tomlin said the Titans mm-hmm. don't run the Hopkins side very often, and they don't throw screens to Hopkins side, and those are the things that Joey is not that good at, and so it was like a two-for-one, right? You got to put Joey against their top receiver and also get him out of the way of some of these other things that he's not as good at. Maybe every week that's not the case. And I wrote this week, like, the Packers don't even have a clear-cut top receiver. I anyway. was going to say Packers week. Who's that even? You would consider – I mean, I think Watson is probably – like the more dangerous guy, but he doesn't get the ball nearly as much as mm-hmm. uh, as Romeo Dobbs. So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of pick your poison there, I guess. I also wrote on the site uh, this morning, you should check this out, uh, broke down the snap counts and, you know, Joey Porter Jr. is a starter. He played almost every snap uh, and so did Patrick Peterson and Levi Wallace played way more than half. So the real, like we talked about Joey Porter Jr. being a starter regardless of whether Levi Wallace was healthy or not. And that turned out to be true, but it really seems like the person whose job he took is Shannon Sullivan's like that's, that's what really happened there. Isn't that Peterson moving around Um, and also Darius rush, you know, ahead of Sullivan as well in terms of being that dime corner, he had like a whole bunch of snaps Uh, and I thought pretty well. Uh, And so I think that that is pretty clearly a significant change there and that they've gone away from Sullivan. Um, Pretty significantly. In fact, because Levi was coming off that foot injury, wasn't 100% in practice, was questionable to even play in the game, you might wonder, he might even play more than he did in that game going forward, which would mm-hmm. lead to even fewer snaps for Sullivan. Like, I, I think that's I think that's where we're headed. Man, it just goes to show, I don't want to keep harping on this, but like with the injuries that they've suffered, with the with situation there and now for Darius Rush to be here so short and play 40 snaps, really goes to show what they thought of Desmond King. i mean like i got you know like yeah not every yeah not not every but not every edition is a great one you know sometimes you Mm -hmm. just gotta cut the bait for one reason or another yeah you remember the freak out about when they cut desmond king and then they did that to get darius rush Mm -hmm. yeah I'm was hundred percent on board with that one for one swap. Um, but I'm glad you brought up, you know, the, the secondary rotation there in those snaps. I wanted to look at the linebacker room. You kind of mentioned yeah. the loss of yeah. Cole Holcomb and the way that things could kind of shake out uh, that post that injury. And, and man, that's a huge loss. Like I, I, I'm not saying that people are kind of like minimizing it, but because it's not Watt or Highsmith or Hayward or Minka, I don't know that everybody realizes how impactful that is, but you know, with that room, Quan Alexander has been a great addition. Landon Roberts is great in his role. We might have to go into the storage room like the Steelers didn't want to in 2023 and break out Mark Robinson. But like, how do we think that these are going to play out post Cole Holcomb's injury? I'm just envisioning like the Steelers linebacker room having one of those like it's like a fire hose and a glass case and it's like <laughs> you know yeah. break in case of emergency and there's just Mark Robinson in there with his helmet. Mm-hmm. Um I I look the Quan Alexander edition back in, in the middle of training camp it's gonna turn out to be really big for this team because woo, it is a very different world if they're looking at not having Cole Holcomb for the rest of the year and the linebackers are Roberts and Robinson. I really like Landon Roberts a lot. 
he's expressed his did we talk about this that he said again after the game on thursday that he wants to come on the podcast that he, he needs to oh, he didn't tell me he said that again no thursday, I just thursday, thursday after the game we had a long <laughs> conversation about him wanting to come on the podcast so we got to make it happen it's it seems like it may happen at this point it seems plausible i mean yeah like once is okay like maybe yeah, he's just right, yeah. that was just off it no it's a serious desire for Landon Roberts to be in the podcast. We're just going to get the schedules to make, match up. But mm-hmm. um, if it was just E-Rob and Mark Robinson, that would be scary from a coverage standpoint, right? Like yeah. Roberts is big and strong, but a little bit stiff and not like the fastest guy going backwards in the world. And Mark Robinson is a great athlete, but very new to the position and still feeling his way around, especially in pass coverage. That would be tough. And now, like, you almost wonder, like, as good as Colt Holcomb ha- has been, like, mm-hmm. you look at what Roberts and Alexander have done, you think they lost some depth, but I think those guys can hang. Like, I I think they're in a pretty good position to, to deal with that injury. As good of a position as – like, could you imagine – if you took the top inside linebacker away from the Steelers inside linebacker room, any of the last five seasons, the kind of smoking crater that would have left at that position group. Like mm-hmm. it, you're, you're, it's like when your Madden team goes real bad and you're just playing guys, you never heard of like who's yet Smurf. I don't know. He's in like, <laughs> you know, like that, that's where they would have been. It's, it's, it's remarkable how improved that unit has been that they can lose a player, the quality of Cole Holcomb and still feel like the guys they have can hang on. Obviously the lack of depth will hurt. Uh, Mm -hmm. Getting Minka Fitzpatrick back will help here as well, because I think you'll see more of Keanu Neal playing that dime linebacker role, playing some pass down, taking some off the plate of, of Quan Alexander. If he's going to be playing almost every snap, a little bit of Alexander and Neal together in the nickel, I would assume, um, and, and, and that can help. Uh, so, but they'll need Minka to come back to be able to do some of that. But I think they have that available to them as well. And so, I think they're in really good shape, man. As like as 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 brutal of a loss as Cole Holcomb could be, uh, I think they're in pretty good shape to deal with it. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Keanu Neal because that's who I was going to bring up. Is like, you know, I don't know. We, we think of him as like a linebacker, right? But like, he could fill some of those duties. That we're going to be losing, yeah, especially in the dime with them going to rush yeah. as well as he played. You know, it feels to me like maybe they want to keep the four corner dime with Porter, Peterson, Wallace, Rush, and two safeties. Well, then Neil could be your linebacker in that unit as yeah. well. Kind of like almost like a quarter defense, seven seven uh, defensive backs on the field if you want to count them. However, you want to count them, but I think that's an option for them as well. If they want to go to a really really light dime. Uh, they they have that available to them as well. Also, before we get out of here, just wanted to mention the Miles Killebrew stuff. Zero defensive snaps on Thursday night. So, yeah, neither none for Elijah Riley either. Neil and and mm-hmm. KZ played almost the whole game. So, yep. But I just I I you know to hear them talk about oh you know Miles Killebrew's been a starter in this league. Oh yeah yeah yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's zero defensive snaps. Uh, all right. Um, yeah, Alan, tell the people where they can find you. At A Saunders underscore PGH on X at PGH Steelers Now is the site's account, SteelersNow.com. Go there, read the words so I can get paid. Steelers Now plus 10% off. Use the promo code Allen10. 
like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. We get to another big round number. We'll give some more stuff away. If you're still waiting for giveaways, that's because they're in a pile and bags over there waiting for me to take them to the post office. So, uh, yeah, we'll get them. Uh, they're coming. Um, there I'm we slacking. go. I'm slacking. And uh, if you're uh, in the first two hours of viewing this and you live in Pennsylvania, go vote. I did. There we go. There we go. Um, yeah, also wanted to mention, like, we've been, I don't want to say slacking, but not getting to as many YouTube comments, I feel like, as of late. We will be sure to do so. Today we had a lot of news from Tom, and so on one of these slower days, we'll get to a bunch yeah, of them. Chris Almost have like a, Maybe we'll do a thing. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, Chris Carter on the show tomorrow, so be on the lookout for that. I am Zachary Smith, PGH. Be sure to like, subscribe, hit that notification bell here. As I just said, be sure to comment down below as well. And if you are listening somewhere else, Leave us a five-star review over there. Uh, until then, for Alan Saunders, for myself, this has been Steelers Afternoon Drive. Thanks for jumping in. Take another ride. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy ramp.com slash easy ramp.com slash easy cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply.